Yes, thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, have your way this morning. Um, we're going to start. <laughs> we talk about the church exercise. Uh, Matthew 6, 9 through 15, Lord's Prayer. You can stand if you'd like. You don't have to. Just kind of felt compelled there, Dale. I heard kind of a grunt right there. <clears throat> okay. Are you ready? We'll, we'll, we'll read this together, um, beginning with verse 9. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now we're going to read 14 and 15 as well. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's good stuff right there. You know, before so many times when somebody's looking for and waiting and for the breakthrough that they need for healing or deliverance, it's somebody that needs to be forgiven in their lives. It's like, this is key. This is a big part of who we are and how we pray, that we are a forgiving bunch here. All right, you can be seated as we honor and hallow his name. And, and, and we pray, one of the things that we're constantly praying, trusting and believing for is for his kingdom, for his will to be done here on earth. It's like the things that we want, the things that we desire, and the things that we pray so need to be in alignment with his will. Your will be done as your kingdom comes. And when I think of give us this day our daily bread, it's like another scripture that says man cannot live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So as he provides for us our physical needs, our bread, our food, that also... A daily word from him that will keep us sustained, maintained, and on track. Forgive us our debts. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It's like it's right here in the Lord's Prayer, deliverance. It is for Christians, isn't it? Deliver us from the evil one. Keep him from us and deliver us from him and get rid of anything that has to do with him in our lives. Because yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Amen. Forever, forever, and forever. Well, here's where we're going. I, have a, I, I just wrote this down. Recognized authority is established through testing. Recognized authority is established through testing. It's like, felt like uh, that's just one of those, write this one down, write this one down. Uh, that's good. That's good right there. You know, you can uh, end up having a badge and a gun, but <laughs> until you've been tested, there's not a great deal of authority that goes along with that because there's training in testing. There's perseverance in testing. I want to talk a little bit about Jesus here. I feel it's, it's really important that we, we talk about him being a, our chief cornerstone, the way, the truth, the life, the light of the world. Nobody comes to the Father except through Jesus. And and how he received his authority even through testing. 
Matthew 3, 13 through 17. It's like we're talking about Jesus came, born of a virgin. Jesus, Jesus came at 30 years old or somewhere thereabouts, decided that he needed to be baptized to humble himself to be baptized by John the Baptist. So Jesus was baptized, and went after his baptism, we're not going to read all of this. I, I think I'm going to just paraphrase some of this because I have a, a lot that I really want to get through this morning. So this is Matthew chapter 3, 13 through 17. You, you can just read that on your own, but I'm telling you what happened. Jesus was baptized, and when he came up from the water, it's like... This is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. A thundering voice from heaven came. So he was approved by his Father as he was baptized, right? And the Holy Spirit came upon him when he was baptized, right? Ascended on him, ascended on him as a dove. They got to see it. They got to, got to watch it. And then he was led into the wilderness to be tested for how long? 40 days in the wilderness without food, without drink. I say that is a test of flesh and will. Wouldn't you say? A complete test of his flesh, his desires, and his will to do as the Father directed him and called him to do. And he was victorious. Again, 40 days. He was victorious. And the enemy came to him and visited him in his time of hunger and in his time of weakness and challenged him. It's like, was his authority challenged? Absolutely. The testing began, not only of his flesh, not only of his will, but even of his identity. He said, if you are the Son of God and you operate in that authority, then I know you're hungry, turn these rocks to bread. It's like, oh, that's like watching a, some, some kind of commercial on, on television about, for Pastor Tim, it'll be like Taco Bell when he's trying to fast, you know, it's like, oh, no, but, you know, turn these rocks into just seeing, oh, yes, I could see that as a warm loaf of bread, wouldn't that be wonderful, you know? Tested. He tested him. You can read what the tests were three, three times. If you are the Son of God, do this. If you're the Son of God, do this. If you're the Son of God, do this. He just, and all he did was reply with Scripture. I know the Word. I know who I am. And I stand on that Word. All with me? Okay. He passed the test. Matthew, I'm going to go fast-forwarding some. He, he, he passed the test. He was victorious as he passed the test. And then he came out and began to operate in his ministry in the power and the authority that was given him that he gained, gleaned uh, authority that he had through testing. Everybody said, through testing. We grow through testing. We begin to step into and walk in our authority through tests of the flesh and tests of the will, that our will lines up with his will. Matthew 26, 39. See, Jesus had another really, really big test. Now, when he was walking in his authority, signs and wonders followed him everywhere that he went in all that he did. He was preaching, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And was following up his words, the gospel that he brought, the gospel that he taught and brought, was followed up and confirmed with signs and wonders. Everybody say, signs and wonders. It's not about the signs and wonders. It's about giving our lives to God, that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life, that we have eternal life. But it is the gospel is not just a gospel of words, but a gospel of power, power, power. And the words are confirmed by signs and wonders and power. 
Matthew 26, 39, when, when, when Jesus had completed his work and his mission on earth was the big, big test. In the Garden of Gethsemane, says he went a little further, fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, as I, not as I will, but as you will. Not my will, but your will be done. It's like, are you kidding? The temptation to want to bail, to want to call on angels, to want to anything to get out of what he knew was coming. But what did he say? It's not about my will, Father. I want to be in the center of your will. Not my will, but your will. Even unto death, even unto the humiliation of the cross and the painful, painful death that he experienced. Your will, Father, your will be done. Then, (laughs) after he endured the cross, endured the beatings, endured the shame, took on all of our sins, the sins of the world, was buried, resurrected, back to life again. Matthew 28, 18. Psych. Did he pass the test? Absolutely, again, even unto death and into resurrection. Jesus was resurrected in Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All, all, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. How much authority? How did he get that authority? Man, through incredible testing right there. Incredible testing. He passed the test, led the perfect life, gave up, sacrificed his own life for your sin and for my sin, and was given and granted all One, two, three. Yes, given all authority. And what does he say from there? Let's go to the next couple verses. Like 19, 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even into the end of the age. Amen. It's like the great commission that's been handed over to us. He was given all authority. He's transferring authority to us. John 8, 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed... If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Hmm. If you what? If you live and dwell and breathe and speak and listen in my word, live in my word, you are my disciples. And I hand authority to you. Think there will be testing? Hmm. And John 13.35 By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. So two things that he said, I mean, there's so much that he talks about. 14, 20, 21, you know, abide in my love. We talk about abiding in my love. We talk, he talks about those who keep my commands or those who love me, and I'll manifest myself to them. It's a whole lot of, a whole lot of involved in discipleship. But basically, if we will abide in his word and love one another, you will indeed be my disciples. That right? That good? Yes. Makes sense so far. Okay, now I have. I am pretty excited about this. 
I now get to move into the Old Testament. I, I was just, I've been reading the Old Testament, Joshua, Judges, we're, we're, we're moving right along. But as I was reading in Joshua, I was just thinking again about recognized authority is being established through testing. So I wanted to do a little comparison of some New Testament, some Old Testament, and then hopefully get back to some more about Jesus. But we'll see how far we, we, we get along here. It's like the training, the bringing up, and the testing, and the equipping of Joshua. One of the first things that I, that I believe and I think is so significant and powerful is in Exodus 33.11. Before we read that, I do want to say, you know, one of the things that Joshua was a servant of Moses. Everybody say servant. And the word says, the greatest of you will be the servant of all. So Joshua had a servant's heart. He served Moses faithfully. He also was one of the spies that went in to spy out the promised land. One of two voices him and um, uh, Caleb, Joshua and Caleb, Joshua and Caleb. So they came back after spying out the land, and they were the two voices that absolutely believed in God, in his promises, in what he had for them, and the promised land that he had promised them. So, oh, we can do it, we can do it. But what did the other ten say? No. No way, no way that we could do or accomplish that. So that was some of the, the early on the beginning of, of his training was wandering through and being obedient to what he knew the promises were and speaking those words out his, of his mouth. In Exodus thirty three eleven it says, So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp, he, Moses would return to the camp after being at the, at the tabernacle or the tent of meeting, he called it. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. One of, uh, you know, Jesus was born of a virgin and Joshua was born of a nun. Oh, that was really sorry, Lynn. You know, it's like, I've just said some things that I've noticed in the Old Testament here. It's like, you know? It says it right there, doesn't it? Son of none. Uh, yeah, that was his dad, though. So, born of a virgin mom and a nun father. <laughs> okay. Wow. Way to lose track of where you even were. Yes, Exodus uh, 33, 11. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. It's like, oh, so he was Moses' servant, so he got to hang around and he got to be really close to the presence of God. He wasn't necessarily considered to be a friend yet, didn't, but... He was hanging around, I just call that the lingering presence. And Joshua was somebody that didn't, he didn't want to get in a hurry to leave. He's like, oh, Moses, you've already got it. You've heard the word. You've been there face to face. But I just want to stay around. I just want to hang around the residue, the presence of God. You know what I'm talking about? There's people that when they come here for the first time, it's like, man, I just felt it when I walked in here. And there are people here, believe it or not, it's definitely not everyone, but that will stick around here till 1, 1.30, 2 o'clock. Wow, it got really quiet there. <laughs> it's like there is a lingering presence here, and people that desire to take the time and linger in that presence there's prayer that goes on. There's deliverance that goes on. There's a lot that happens right here in Valley Church after 12 o'clock when people begin to file out of here. And I don't know if anybody has noticed, but we don't say Valley Church service times 10 to 11, 10 to 12. 
we just kind of leave that open. So there isn't an actual, for sure, expectation. I know your stomachs start to growl around, around noon, so it's like, uh, you know, it's lunchtime. But And the staff of Valley Church, they're expected to be around here just as long as they need to be to minister and tend to the needs of the people. You know, there, I, was, I went online last night, just was, was really looking, because that, 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 that kind of piqued some of my curiosity a little bit. And it's like, you know, some of the, of the growing, fast-moving, growing churches, and I looked, and you know what? Most of the churches now, the uh, seeker-friendly, fill-em-up churches, do you know what the time and the length of their service is now? One hour, one hour. It's like, wow, not a lot of lingering even possible there because those are the ones that are growing like crazy where there's an hour of service and then 30 minutes in between so the new people can come and another service. And it's like, you know, God's blessing that. God is blessing that. But people that want more, that are willing to linger for the more, like Joshua, it's like, ain't going to be working if there's a one hour an express service and you need to be gone because the next batch is coming in. So that's just who we are. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying. I'm not leaving a whole lot of Holy Spirit time or linger time if you've got to be out after an hour and five minutes. Just... I, mean, I, I can't hear what anybody's saying. I'm just hearing comments going on. I'm just like, <laughs> okay. Remember, love one another. <laughs> okay, Deuteronomy, I, got an, I feel like another really important part right here is Deuteronomy 34.9. That was a big part of, of uh, Joshua's training. Deuteronomy 34.9. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, there it is again, was full of the spirit of wisdom. Why was he full of the spirit of wisdom? How did he get full of the spirit of wisdom, this young man? For Moses had laid his hands on him. So if there's any question about impartation, it's like this may be an answer for you, clear back in the Old Testament, that we can receive by the laying on of hands. It's like now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. It's like, oh, it's pretty awesome. A big part of his training, which caused the children of Israel to pay attention to him because he had a spirit of wisdom imparted to him when Moses laid his hands on him. That's good right there, isn't it? Somebody say amen. Amen. Thank you. Okay, we're going to move into Joshua now. Uh, Joshua 1, 7 through 9. Okay, this is Joshua 1, 7 through 9. The Lord speaking through, through Moses, I believe. No, the death of Moses and the servant had come. The Lord speaking. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. Now, how was he commanded to be prospering wherever he went? Not to turn to the right or the left of the law, but to follow it every, all of the way. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it, not on it, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then 
you will then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Yeah. And now we're going to move to, it's like it was really, really, really important that you pay attention to everything that God has said, that you be obedient to that, Joshua. Don't turn to the right or the left. Don't make any decisions on your own that are not completely in alignment with the word of God, with the law of the time. Got that? All in agreement right there. Okay, we're going to move to Joshua 4 in verse 14. We're going to go to verse 13. About 40,000 prepared for war crossed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they feared him as they had feared Moses all the days of his life. So Joshua, again, was he was... A servant, a servant to Moses. He was exalted by the Lord. Everybody say, by the Lord. When we're humble, for real humble, humble in our own sight, humble in the sight of the others, God will exalt you in due time. We don't try to exalt ourselves, lift ourselves up, put ourselves in a position that we're not called to be or that we're not supposed to be. Us being the ones that determine that position is God who raises you up and puts you in the position to fulfill the calling on your life. Then, I'm not going to read much more. I want to just, just talk about they, they crossed over. They crossed over the Jordan. But here was something that was so amazing. When, when they were crossing over the Jordan and God was really, really exalting, getting their attention by what he was doing through Joshua, it's like, okay, as soon as the priests stepped their feet in the water, the water just became a wall on one side. You know, it was one thing for the, for, <laughs> was one thing for the Red Sea to part. It's another thing to stop a river in, in the time that it's overflowing its banks already and just stand it up as a wall. Can you imagine? And one of the scriptures in there says, and they hurriedly crossed. <laughs> when you think of that wall, that river just becoming a bigger, a taller and taller and taller wall, it'd be hard not tripping over the rocks as you're hurrying your way across that river, wouldn't it? I would just think about that. It's like, Wow. Yeah. It's like, yeah, can I be first? <laughs> it's like, to get across it. So Joshua, then the, the, the tale traveled way downstream to all of the people around were hearing about it. God was exalting, giving them authority, even the children of Israel, and authority because of the fear that it put in all of the surrounding nations because of what God had done through Joshua and those people. So, Testing and authority. Testing and authority. God is moving through them, and it is happening. So we'll move to, his, his name was exalted. The river, yeah, I still, that's just hard to, to even wrap your mind around. The river stopping and the wall just getting bigger and bigger and taller and taller as it dries up the rest of the way down. Uh, chapter 5, verse 13. They have crossed over the river, they're camped out, they're ready to take Jericho. And it came to pass, when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted his eyes and looked. And behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No. Okay. Um, no, then what are you here for and why are you wielding that sword? Because I'm commander of the army of the Lord. 
And as that commander, I have now come. Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Joshua was ready to hear the word of the Lord, fell on his face, said, I want to hear what God has to say because I want to be fully obedient. Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for your, the place you're standing is holy. Joshua did so. Where else did we hear that? The burning bush for Moses. Take off your sandal. You're standing on holy ground. Moses, Joshua. And I think that as Joshua was crossing over, ready to get started in signs, wonders, and miracles, it's so much like Jesus when he was baptized, tested in the wilderness, ready to start signs, wonders, and miracles. Now, Jericho was pretty securely shut up, heavy, heavy fortified walls, big walls and all. We've, everyone's heard this message probably 13 times, so I'm going to make this part short. That, that what the angel of the Lord said to him, this is how you need to do this. You're going to send everybody out and you're going to go for six days. You're going to go around the wall. Just march around the wall. Line it up, march around the wall. Six days, six days. On the seventh day, you're going to go out. You're going to march around the wall, and then the trumpets are going to blow, and the ram's horn is going to blow, and everyone is going to shout on that command. And when you shout, the walls are going to fall down. It's like, yes, that completely makes sense. That's the one where it's just like, um, I might have a better idea. <laughs> Remember that harlot that let us down out the window? Maybe she could let us back up in that window. We could sneak around and open the doors, and then we could just storm the gates. That might make a lot more sense, because we're going to shout, we're going to blow horns, and the wall's going to fall down? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I think that's where alignment and obedience definitely comes into play. Do we trust and believe in the word of the Lord? Or do we trust and believe in what we see? Man is led by fight, fight. Let me try that again. Man is led by faith, not by sight. By faith, not by sight. Because we can, we can devise a plan. You know, I was like, I way like better the idea of going down the way that she let the spies down that went in, you know, down and out the window. It's like, let's just climb back up that same way and, and, and get those doors open somehow. We sneak in there, you know, stealth. Not walk around it for seven days, then blow and shout, and the walls are falling down. That's pretty hard to believe. But here, we got to get this 610. 6-10. Now Joshua had commanded all the people. He told them exactly what they were going to need to do, how we're going to pull this off. This is what's going to happen. You need to listen to me. We've already seen the miracle. We saw the wall of water stand up. So, verse 10. Now Joshua commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout, you shall not make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout. Then you shall shout. Because he didn't trust them. He said, There's too many naysayers that want to do some thinking on their own and say, That ain't going to work. Let's, let's do the spy window thing. Let's do something. Something that might make sense, because this makes absolutely no sense. I know that ain't going to work. Too many naysayers. So he said, just keep your mouth shut. Just like Zechariah, when John the Baptist was going to be born, he's like, you know what? I don't trust you with your mouth. You could ruin this for your wife. You could ruin this for your family. So you're not going to say another word until this baby's born. says, God said, I don't want anybody saying a word until this has taken 
we're ready till the horns have blown, till you receive the order, then shout. Or maybe it was just like to save their voices so they could have a really loud shout. No, I don't think so. We're going to go with the, he didn't trust them. So they did exactly that. They did the six-day routine. They did the seventh-day thing. Then they blew the horns. The priests went. The whole, you can read all of the things that they, that they did. They blew the horns. They shouted, and the wall fell down. They rushed in there. They killed everybody. They were given very specific instructions about, you know what, don't take anything except the things that will be going into the temple. Just the things that we'll put in the temple, gold, silver, bronze, something else that will be going into the temple. Take nothing else. Anything else will become an accursed object if you take it. Kill everybody, burn the place, take nothing. Everybody got that? Say, take nothing. Be obedient. Take nothing. So, they did that. Complete success. Complete success. So, it's a couple days later. I mean, they've taken, you know, counted the, the big victory, run around and had a, you know, a feast and high-fived and danced and had a great time, I'm sure, celebrating that victory. And then they're ready to go for it again. Um, one of the things that, that I forgot to mention here is like, we talk about the report the report, the fear of the report, God not trusting them because of what they might say and them in their ability to figure out this isn't going to work. And there's a scripture in Proverbs 18.21 that says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. It's like, you know, it was that bad report that 10 of the 12 spies came back with that absolutely robbed a generation of their blessing and their promise. An entire generation died in the wilderness because they believed the wrong report. They believed the ten instead of the two, the report of the Lord. It's like, you know, that's a pretty good, pretty good ratio, ten to two, five to one. It's like, so oftentimes, the report that we will get from a doctor's report, from a finance, from a bank, from a whatever, it's five to one. It's probably going to be very oftentimes can be a really negative report. But if God has called you, directed you, you've heard his voice, the report of the Lord is the report to believe, not the one that makes the most sense or the one that the most people agree with. It's five to one here. Yeah, that's good right there. Death and life in the power of the tongue. The Lord was with Joshua. His fame spread in 627. But they decide... He sends into the city of Ai, I, into the city of Ai. He sends a few spies to check that one out. They're on, they're, they're on a roll. They got momentum. He sends a spy, let's go, we're, we're, we're going to do this. We're going to take the next city. That was a piece of cake. So they went in into the city. They checked it out. They came back and said, oh, man, it's a little city. There's not a bunch of fighters, warriors, small. This will be a piece of cake. Let's, we don't even need to take 40,000 people. We just need to take a few thousand to take care of this. So they did that. They went their way. But what did they miss out on? It's like they didn't wait on the Lord. They didn't pray about it. They didn't listen to his voice, for his voice, even consult him. They just said, we know how to do this now. We'll do this on our own. Let's go, boys. This one will be a piece of cake. It's not fortified walls. It's not a ton of people in there. We can handle this with ease. So they went. They followed the plan that they had devised among themselves. They attacked, and they came running back with their tail between their legs, and about three dozen of them killed. It's like Joshua fell on his face before the Lord. He said, what happened? What in the world 
I can't believe it. You brought us out of the wilderness and now this is what's happening? Why did you even bring us into this promised land if this is what it's going to be? Verse, or chapter 7, verse 10. So the Lord said to Joshua, Get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned. They have also transgressed my covenants, which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived. And they have also put it among their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed from among you. Get up, sanctify the people, and say, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow, because thus says the Lord of God of Israel, there's an accursed thing in your midst. O Israel, you cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. It's like we, Jesus said, I'm going to refer back to Jesus here for a couple minutes. Like Jesus said, you know, the prince of the power of the air is coming, or the ruler of the earth is coming, but no worry, he has nothing in me. It's like there is no sin in me, he has no leverage in me, there is no reason. I have complete authority over him because there is no sin in my life. It's like, why did they lose the battle against their enemies? Why did they turn and run and flee? Because they could not stand against the enemy because of sin in their lives. It's like, so I said, sanctify yourselves which means cleanse yourselves, search yourself, whatever you have done that has caused this for you to be able not to stand but to turn your back on the enemy. It's like, in our lives, how important it is that we know where we stand with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because we are walking in sanctification, understanding and knowing that there's not something in my life that keeps me from standing against the enemy. Because you know who our enemy is. You know, we don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against powers and principalities and rulers of darkness. There's a scripture... Um, that I have written down through these other four pages, three pages of, of my notes that says, He, God, didn't drive out all the inhabitants of the land because he left some of them for the children of Israel, for the younger ones that had come up, to learn to do battle. So, you know what? We are always in a spiritual battle. When we're ever going to take a little bit more ground, we're going to make a bigger commitment, we're going to get baptized, there's going to be a battle to fight. So we need to learn to fight. I think another, this is just a great example to me. It's like, you know, there's going to be battles to fight. It's like when you begin, it's so funny that God brings us up and leads us along, kind of weans us, and then, okay, okay, now you're ready for some meat going to be a little hard to chew some of this, but like, for example, when, uh, when you first begin tithing, it's like, yes, this principle, I, I believe in that. I, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And, and immediately you get a raise, checks in the mail. God, God really blesses that when you first start. And then there might be a little test that comes along because you're growing in maturity and say, 
I need to keep your attention, but I also want to keep your affection, and I want you to continue following me because there's greater blessings still, but you have to pass this test. Does this make sense? Good, because that's real. (laughs) So, once they got that taken care of, they were very successful, but they had to clean the camp. There was an accursed item in one of the tent, accursed items in one of the tents that somebody was tempted couldn't resist the temptation, took it because it was gold and silver and a really fancy, fancy robe, and they took it and they buried it in the floor of their tent thinking, ah, nobody's going to know. But God knew. He sees everything. You're not going to end up burying it. But here's the thing that really stood out to me in that, is that we have to be careful what we bring into our homes. It says, it, 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 it was even in their homes. They mixed it with their stuff. Where we can bring something into our home that's cursed, accursed, something that we're, now, that we're not supposed to have or that we're not supposed to do, that we allow or we bring into our home, which will bring something other than blessing on our home. This make sense? So we need to be careful what we're bringing in And we need to clean this house, and we need to clean the house that we live in, and we need to keep this house clean. So my challenge this morning is for us to just like, you know, (laughs) Holy Spirit, if you see Something in me that needs to go for me to be able to successfully stand before the enemy. Help me clean it up. I want to get rid of it. I want to get rid of that. So So let's stand together. And we're going to have a prayer team come up here. If, If there's something that you need prayer to overcome. We're going to have a prayer team up here. There are going to be people that will stick around till 1, 1 2 o'clock. We're not in a hurry to get out of here. We love to linger in the presence anyway. So if there's something in your life that you need a little help with, man, humble yourself. Get over yourself. Don't be ashamed. It's like, you know... I want to throw one more thing. When Pastor Christy, Christy Lynn was, she was talking about the woman caught in adultery, and it's like, where's your accusers now? Where's your accusers now? And that's something that I actually had written down here, and, and, I, and I believe that it would something, be something really good to close with. You know, there was a woman caught in adultery, and they caught her in the act, it said. So they, they brought her to the, you know, to the judges, to the Pharisees. And they brought her, brought her up there and, and said, this woman was caught in the act. So you know what we're supposed to do? She is supposed to be stoned. She needs to be killed. She's going, needs to be stoned. What do you say, Jesus? And he ended up kind of ignoring him. He bent down and he wrote with his finger in the dirt. And they don't know what he wrote, but... They're saying they got their rocks ready because they know what's supposed to happen. That requires death. The ultimate offense, death, right there. They got their rocks ready to throw and, and he raises up and he looks at everyone and he says, okay, yeah, you without sin in your life, you be the first one to throw a stone at her, it says, at her. You be the first one to throw a stone at her. Then he looks at her and he bends down and he writes again in the 
And I mean, I, I know you could probably just hear rocks dropping because no one. Scripture tells us even in Romans, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So it's no shame to have sinned. The shame is when we carry that shame and we don't confess it and ask forgiveness for it and get cleaned up. Jesus wants us to have eternal life, to stand before the enemy. John 10.10 says the devil comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we would have life and life to the abundance. So which report do we believe? Who are we going to side with? We're going to side with Jesus. Clean it up. So I think, you know, I thought, then he says to her, where are your accusers now? And she looks around and goes, wow, there are none. So there's nobody condemning her. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So I'm thinking, what, what did he write the second time? I think the first time it was like, I forgive you. And the second time it was like, stop it. <laughs> it's like, go, sin no more. You're forgiven. Stop it. But now I believe we'll pray together and we'll just ask Holy Spirit to convict I don't condemn you. He doesn't condemn you. Jesus doesn't condemn you. But he convicts you so you can take care of it. So if there's any kind of a conviction that you feel in your heart, in your life, let's just extend our hands to him and let's just get it taken care of. Jesus, I just thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your love. And I thank you for your sacrifice that you died for my sins that you died for each one that's in here today. You paid the ultimate price so that we could have life to the abundance here on earth and but that none should perish but have everlasting life by believing in you, by receiving your forgiveness, by confessing our sins and asking you to come to be Lord and Savior over our lives. And we ask you that right now, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, come. Convict, show us, teach us. Let's just pray together. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for any sin that I've committed, even something that I may not realize right now, That you would convict me, show me, deliver me, heal me, and completely forgive me. I ask you to be Lord and Savior over my life. Guide me, direct me, fill me with your love, with your goodness, with your Holy Spirit. I love you, I bless you, and my desire is to serve you. Amen. God bless you. If you have a need, the altar is open. I say, come on down. Have a fabulous week. God bless you all.